0: my pleasure to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you being empowered with knowledge so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up later, I want to talk about reviews that you are having posted about you as a customer. That's right. That's right. We're used to reviewing businesses, but now they're reviewing Us. So I want to talk about the job market for a minute. Job market is really, really strong compared to what it's been for a good long time. And you may have not heard this, but we have something going on right now that may not have ever happened. We have exact equilibrium between the number of people out of work and the number of jobs that are unfilled one-to-one usually there are less jobs obviously than there are people looking for jobs but right now it's right there with as many people wanting work as there are jobs that need you to fill so how does an employer decide according to CNBC One of the factors that can hurt you is a lack of longevity on a job on your resume. That when a potential employer is looking at your resume, if they see a job that was ultra short in tenure, they may eliminate you outright. How bad is it? Well, according to the stats that CNBC referred to, you have your chances of making it through the first cut drop to nearly nothing in comparison to people who have no ultra-short tenure jobs on their resume. And again, ultra-short tenure is considered to be under 15 months. And that's a change from the past. I remember that this is generational, but it used to be if you held a job for less than five years, the term used for you was job hopper, (laughs) that you were considered to be somebody who had no loyalty to you. But, you know, employers don't have loyalty to workers like they used to. They used to think of somebody coming to work for them that would be there the rest of their working life. But that's not how the game's played now. So now... Five years is 15 months. And so if you are in a job that you hate, but you want to get a better opportunity next, hate it a little less till you hit, let's say, 18 months. And this is an arbitrary kind of number in the survey and an arbitrary statement I'm making that a year and a half reflects better than 15 months but it does matter if you get fired from a job or laid off and it's less time than that that can't be helped but i'm talking about where you voluntarily say i'm out of here is the point at which an employer may feel you're not worth the effort William is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, William.
1: Hi, Clark. How are you?
0: Great. Thank you, William. You've changed jobs?
1: Yes, I did. I actually just got hired on full-time from a contract position into a full-time position.
0: Well, that's exciting. You like the new company? Oh, definitely. I get it.
1: I'm doing what my degree states, so I'm pretty satisfied. That is great. I'm working in the tech field, not at a company.
0: Great. Well, how can I be of service to you, and congratulations again?
1: Thank you. Um, it's an honor to talk to you. Thank you. Um, basically, I have a 401k from my previous company that I just left. I have about $7,000 in there. I'm just curious, what would it, I want to roll it over into a Roth IRA, but I'm wondering if I should roll the whole thing over, or if I should keep some of it out to be able to pay for some of my school bills that I'm taking right now, because I'm finally graduating later on this year.
0: Well, that's great news. So the four hundred one k is subject to ugly taxation. The yeah, tax um, rates had on a,
1: sorry, they had a thirty day a thirty day rollover period. So I wanted to find out before that uh, expires.
0: All right. So let me tell you how it all plays. All right. If they issue you a check, they don't send you a check for seven thousand. They send you a check for let's see for $5,600. Okay. And the other 1400 they hold back for the IRS. Now then what the IRS is hoping, actually this was something Congress cooked up, is that you won't make up that 1400 and that 1400 will represent a premature withdrawal from your 401k, and you will be hit with a 10% federal penalty plus ordinary income tax. Typical taxpayer Throwing in also, if you live in a state with a state tax, would be 46% tax and penalties. Okay. So you don't want a check. What you do want to do is you want to move it direct from that old employer into your own IRA. It can't be a Roth.
1: It can't be a Roth?
0: Right, unless it was a Roth 401k. If it was a traditional 401k, it can only go into a traditional IRA. Okay. So you move the money with, if you go to a company you're going to have the 401k with, and you know, I've got my list of my favorite children on my investment guide, they'll okay. help you do the paperwork to move it directly from the old employer's 401k into an IRA. Okay. And then to the question of should you take some of that money once it's in the IRA and use it for paying off? student debt i don't recommend that again because the tax rate and penalties are so high
1: okay it wasn't student debt it was actually paying for the classes i'm taking
0: right now oh okay i still would i'd rather you gosh i'd rather you even borrow money in the federal student loan program at three point something percent than to use the 401k money okay now when you can afford to you can actually move the money from the IRA that you put the $7,000 into, you can move it into a Roth at okay. the company you, you set up the IRA at. Now, if you do that, what happens is there's no 10% penalty, but you do have to pay all the tax on it. Okay. So you got to have pretty deep pockets at the time you would make that move.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's definitely not right now.
0: Okay, so the great news is you're about to finish school, and how much intuition do you have?
1: How much intuition? Yeah. Um, my my last payment I made was about 500. So I'm at a local community college.
0: Okay, so you you should be able to swing that from your paycheck. No.
1: Um, well, I'm paying on my student debt from my previous college because I actually switched from a university where I'm fr- where I'm located at to the local community college
0: and how much debt do you have sitting there about 80,000 oh my goodness yeah you said that so
1: calmly i made a few mistakes but it's being taken care of
0: okay so how much of that 80,000 is federal debt versus private loans
1: probably private loans is probably about 56
0: that's a very unfortunate thing to share with me all right because yeah. you know the private lenders don't work with you yep oh i know so that's going to be your highest priority going forward is to budget for paying on those private student loans and pay only the minimum required on the federal loans that by your by my quick math twenty four thousand or federal so yep. just
1: I've, I've been doing that for about two years now so. okay
0: all right so you got the drill Yep. Yeah, but as far even with that debt, you still don't want to eat into any of that seven thousand from the four hundred one k. Just because the tax treatment is so poor, you're better off just sucking it up and paying on these loans. Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jason.
2: Uh, good afternoon, Clark. How are you?
0: Great, thank you. You want to talk about real estate? Um, I would, actually. My wife and I recently purchased a new home, and
2: it had a guest house on the property. And we started renting it on one of the popular B&B sites, and we've been pretty successful with it. So we kind of started thinking, maybe there's more opportunity in that, and we're thinking about opening or creating an LLC, buying multiple properties and renting them out short-term online. And I was just kind of curious, one, what your opinion was on that, and two, what you think might be the best way to get started in that approach. All
0: right, so let's go to the LLC thing first. The whole idea of an LLC for a rental property is that every rental property is in its own LLC. Okay. And the reason is, is that if you end up with multiple rental properties... In one LLC, limited liability company, and you have something bad happen at one of those properties, all the properties are at risk. Okay. Second, most, which is why you do one per property. Second, if you're going to have to finance the purchase of the investment properties, most lenders are not going to let you title those in most states in an LLC. You and your okay. wife will need to own them as individuals. So the alternative is for you, if you start accumulating properties, is to have a, what's known as a, an umbrella insurance policy. Are you familiar with that term?
2: Um, I, I've heard it briefly, but I, I don't know enough about it.
0: All it means is that in addition to the insurance you have to have, like the homeowner's policy, that kind of thing, uh-huh. and it also would cover your cars with the insurance policy that you have to insure your cars. An umbrella lays over everything you have. And in the event something happens that you're found at fault or responsible for, the umbrella policy steps in after the insurance you already have pays. So it protects your assets from somebody hitting you with a catastrophic judgment. Okay. And they're very cheap because they're not called upon a lot, but if they are, they're really great to have. So you buy them. In multiples of a million dollars.
2: And, and, and that would be from the same person that I'm buying the property insurance from?
0: Normally, yes. Okay. And depending on the insurer, they may have a company that they refer the umbrella policies to, or they may write them in-house. Uh, I see. But if you're going to have heavy rental activity in that garage apartment, it may be valuable to you to consider having a basic umbrella anyway of a okay. million dollars the rental service may ha- offer you some kind of million dollar coverage themselves do you use airbnb or vrbo
2: we do we use airbnb all
0: Right. i i'm not i don't remember if airbnb is doing the million dollars but uh, they do yeah all right in addition to that you might consider having your own umbrella
2: okay um in terms of Of maybe purchasing multiple properties and trying to do this then are we kind of limited to our own personal finances rather than starting some sort of business yes
0: yes it's totally going to be based on your own financials and i advise that you take your time take the time to identify properties one at a time absorb a property before you Dig in to start looking for another. Don't try to bite off too much of this at once. Okay. And another thing is be very aware that communities around the country are becoming more and more hostile, particularly in vacation areas, to Airbnb and VRBO rentals. And you have to factor in could you make money with a property you're looking at if you had to go a long term tenant versus doing an Airbnb kind of thing? If the law came down on you where you live and you couldn't do those short-term rentals anymore, can you make the numbers work if you then became a traditional landlord on that property? Hi, Gordon. I'm glad to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. How you doing? Very well, thank you. Gordon, you got something you want to talk about with your credit report. What's happening?
2: Uh, let me do one thing first. Let me thank you and your team for the excellent service you provide. It's wonderful.
0: Well, you were Um, kind to say that. Thank you. You know, we all do this together.
2: And it shows. It's a great team. Um, I had a letter show up from one of the uh, credit bureaus indicating there had been a change in some of the information. And we have them also secured, much like you've suggested. Anyway, I went through the process of getting a copy of it, and one of the things that struck me as funny is that there was like 20 different names that I am referred to or that my wife is referred to on this particular document. And I was wondering if it was worthwhile going through and deleting or having those removed and only the legal name that we actually used be on that report.
0: Now, having all those AKAs, also known as, on the reports, I don't know that, that you should put a lot of effort into that, especially if you have a credit freeze in place. Yeah, we do. Yes, yeah, so I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about that. You know, credit reports play a game of horseshoes. They really have a lot of inaccuracies to them. And fortunately, many of the inaccuracies really don't lead to harm, like in your case, having all these stray AKAs on there. And then there are those that really do affect you that you have to focus on, like credit on there that's not yours or a delinquent thing being reported that's that's not accurate or whatever. So I wouldn't worry, but I think it's great that you checked. And do you know you have the right once a year to check your credit for free?
2: Yeah, we do. We've uh, used your suggestion, and we pull a report, each of ours, uh, once a year.
0: That's great. So I, I think you can rest easy. Okay. Do great. they have any really odd names for you in those AKAs?
2: No, just uh, different versions of my particular name and my wife's name. My wife is a, is a Filipina, so her Spanish heritage shows up, and she's got like four different names that are there. So there's constant confusion as to first, middle, and last.
0: Some immigrants in the United States come with only a single name. You know, They come from cultures where you just have a name. You don't have a first and a last or anything like that. Keeping the credit report straight for the people that have just a single name, that one's really hard. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. And you can follow me at Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Reviews are something that you and I read, check up on when we're thinking of buying a product or service and reviews are something that's standard now with so many things every time you get out of if you use uber or lyft every time you get out of the car the immediate thing is they want to review with the driver well you know the driver's reviewing you too didn't know that huh maybe he did know that but reviews are now becoming a two-way street and it's becoming much more part of what you're going to expect. You know, Christopher Elliott, I don't know if you know who he is. He's a fantastic guy, and he runs a nonprofit organization that advocates for people that are having hassles with companies. You can see what he does at Elliott.org. Two L's, two T's. Great guy. Anyway, he's talking about how you're going to see and experience more and more many times not even being aware of why somebody doesn't want to do business with you, with you being the customer, because of reviews that people behind have left. It's like when the second grade teacher leaves comments for the third grade teacher, and your first day in school, you can already tell the teacher has it in for you. So it's that same kind of idea. So occasionally, someone will cheap shot you. But usually, my experience, you may deserve it. You know, I do um, lift line and Uber pool. That's pretty much the only way I'm ever in an Uber or a Lyft is when I do the carpool version, where it's a lot cheaper. And I really observe the behavior of other people in the car with me. And I'm like, wow, that person's got tude." And, you know, for TV, I drove an Uber and Lyft to see what the experience was like driving. It was really cool TV. Anyway, the the passengers were, some of them were were a lot to handle, let me tell you. And so people's character, their behavior now can come back to boomerang on them, which you may think is is justice. But again, from time to time, somebody will will put a review of you that's just not going to be right or fair. One of the problems with all of these systems is often there's not an adequate way for you to be able to dispute what someone has said about you. It's like the thing with the banks where they put you on the, Bad boy, bad girl list where you're banned from opening a bank account, and the banks are given unlimited power to say that you can't open an account and you have no right to appeal, no due process at all, which I think is absolutely ridiculous since banks are subsidized by the taxpayers and public institutions and should not have that kind of power that's unquestioned without any due process and any right to appeal. Matt is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Matt, you want to talk about buying vehicles for sale on the web. Is that right? Yes. What are you thinking of doing?
3: Well, I need a new truck, and so I was looking for cars, and I found a couple that were priced way undervalue what they should be. And, you know, the process was that they would send it to me for a week for me to have it tested out and all that. And uh, then at the end of the week, I'd have a decision. I could either send it back or I could pay them. But I was just kind of leery about it because of the price tag on it.
0: So how much below market price is a vehicle supposedly for sale?
3: Probably about twelve thousand dollars
0: so you got to know that's a scam yeah yes yeah, so I, I wouldn't even bother having any more contact with the online sellers then there's also got to be some kind of gotcha from them some kind of deposit they want you to pay up front
3: well see, that's the thing there was none that's what was confusing me
0: yeah i don't believe that at all
3: all they wanted was a name my name address and phone number which i really didn't want to give that
0: there's no doubt that this would have morphed into a scam that would have really hurt you. Gotcha. Now, uh, what I'd like to do is, you know, you've now told your situation. Hopefully we will hear from somebody who went further than you did and ended up finding out how the next layers of the scam work. Gotcha. But there's no chance that somebody – why would somebody sell you a vehicle – more than ten thousand dollars below its market value and send it to you no money at all tell you have fun with it for a week and then if you don't like it well we'll take it back you know that's not going to happen in the real world yeah so hopefully we will get the whole thing tied up by somebody else calling and sharing how the scam fully operates but that is not where you're going to find your truck mark is with us on the clark howard show hi mark greetings how are you great thank you you have triplets
2: yeah don't drink the water in indiana it's bad for you
0: <laughs> i guess so wow but you got it all done at once
2: well three girls 11 it's drama all the time but we're, i'm living the dream so i you know you gotta you gotta live in the moment and so that's what we're doing
0: all right well how can i be of service with the triplets
2: well, the question we, I have, uh, my wife and I have both uh, frozen our credit, and with three girls age 11, at what age would you suggest a credit freeze for them? Even if you have no credit, can you freeze something that you have no credit on, or is it just good to freeze it, period?
0: Well, that is a great question, because kids are far more likely to have their identity stolen than an adult, because for a criminal... A kid is a clean slate, and they can establish a whole new identity as that child's full name, the whole bit, and that kid's social security number because they've got no real history there. So they can set this whole thing up, which is why, and it's not discovered typically, till a kid, if a kid goes to college at age 17 or 18. So at 11, it's a great idea to do it, but it's a lot of work to set up a credit freeze for a kid.
2: So it's a lot more difficult than it would be for an adult.
0: Right, because for an adult, you just go online to the websites of the three bureaus, right. set aside about 15 minutes of your life, and it's done. With the okay. kids, you have to mail in information to the credit bureaus, Okay. prove that you have a right to do so. It's like it's like going back to the analog era. Nice. It's like 1990 all over again. <laughs> okay. Now, you happen to live, roughly half the nation's states allow... Child credit freeze, Uh and Indiana is one of those states. This started in Maryland, and like in a blink, when you think about legislatures around the country, that it's been adopted so quick, it shows what a problem child identity theft has been.
2: We were not going to do that, but then about a year ago, uh, we got a letter from a big health care company said you were one of the millions of people whose files maybe had been compromised. And so that's when it came on the radar, like, hmm, should we or shouldn't we? So I'm just looking for wisdom today to see what would... What if, you good
0: you're good willing, if you're willing to set the time aside for triplets, you figure it's going to take probably 90 minutes of your time. Okay. If you're willing to do that and provide the documentation to the bureaus and pay the fees, which are relatively small, because okay. you'd be freezing each kid for the next seven years okay. with a one-time fee i would say that if you can get that time aside it would be worth it wow. millions of people's information is out there right now Ugh. and apparently the criminals have deep records potentially on people with way beyond just social security numbers the treasure for the crooks and really a hassle for us steve is with us on the clark howard show hello steve Hello Clark, how are you today? Great, thank you. You have a very exciting accomplishment. Tell me about that.
4: Uh, Yes sir, about four and a half years ago I began implementing some of your concepts and tools and I was uh, largely in debt and started paying off the larger interest rates as much as I could and then Of course, those are the ones with the high interest rates and making the minimum payment on the lower interest rates. And as I got the higher interest rate paid off, then I started applying that payment towards the other payments. And eventually, I was paying $2,800 a month to a single loan and got debt-free. Well, as of September of this year, I'll be debt-free.
0: That is so exciting. So debt was really causing you... A lot of anxiety, stress limiting your options in life?
4: That's correct. Not too terribly bad. I was twenty eight thousand in debt, but that was just the interest alone was killing me each month. Three or four hundred dollars a month was a lot of interest to be paying a month and so I started and implementing your concepts and using your tools and
0: Yeah, but you, you gave that's now the second time you've given me credit for this. You're the one who's done this. I mean, you know, there are many different strategies people recommend. It's all about grabbing hold of them, and you did, and you've gone from $28,000 in high-interest debt to $0 in debt. As of, sept-
4: as of September of this year, it will be uh, $0, yes. Uh, but it was How does that make
0: you feel? How does that make you feel that you've done that?
4: Well, it it is a wonderful feeling. In fact, uh, we had a recent family conversation and we have agreed that my wife and I are going to pay for an entire trip to
0: Disneyland for our family of 10. Wow. It's your graduation gift. I love it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the beauty is that you, it took you, you said four and a half years to wipe out this debt. Is that what I heard you say? Correct. So... For these four and a half years, you have consciously lived on less than what you make so that you freed up the money to be able to pay on these debts. And so, and as you reduce the amount of debt each month, you're so much more efficient with what you're paying because more money ultimately ends up going to principal, significantly less to interest as the balances start coming down. So, what seems impossible in the beginning becomes manageable and then becomes ultimately a breeze.
4: Yes, about halfway through, you get uh, a little bit more excited when you see the principal going down twice as fast as it did before.
0: That is so great. And, you know, now that you have learned to live on less than what you make, you know that for you going to graduate school and how to handle money, is now you've completed undergraduate school, you got out of debt, Graduate school is you start taking that money that you were putting towards debt starting after September, and that money would be best used going into a Roth IRA for you and your wife.
4: That's correct.
0: And you each have to have your own Roth, but over time you'll build up substantial money for your future, and this is just so exciting.
4: Yes. Uh well not only was I paying the debt, but I was contributing to an IRA so that in the midst of it too.
0: That's great. That's
4: wow. So now I could apply more towards the IRA and a nicer vacation.
0: And so the vacation, how are you gonna pay for that?
4: That will be cash, of course.
0: <laughs> uh, you know how the Super Bowl winners say, We're going to Disney World. <laughs> This is your personal Super Bowl getting out of debt, and I'm so excited for you and your family, and you enjoy that vacation. Andy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Andy. How's it going? Great. Thank you. How about yourself? Good. You have seen a pitch for a TV service that you're really curious about.
5: I have. You're right. I've seen a lot of buzz on the social media about these home theater PC devices, and I'm just wondering what the story is on them.
0: So as a general rule, they are they are devices or um, protocols that allow you to steal pay TV programming.
5: That's what I was kind of seeing on some of the reviews and the, the, the different information that's out there.
0: Now the thing that's really crazy is—is is there one in particular you're looking at? Like, how much does the one cost that you're looking at? Uh,
5: it's $299, but they have it on sale right
0: now for $199. So $200, you get their uh, device and software that allow you to watch programming without paying your normal monthly fee for it.
5: So then there's a $99 a year subs- for the year subscription fee.
0: Okay. So I'm not going to name the one in particular you're looking at because I don't want people to think, oh, I should go check that out. The one you're looking at is one that uh, the reviews on it, the legit reviews are terrible. It looks like from looking at it, I've looked at it before, it looks like the reviews are fake where people are saying how wonderful it is. Mm -hmm. And when you look at what people who are actually using it and demonstrate the problems they're having with it, I would stay away from it. But there's something else too. Any of these sites that say they're gonna help you pirate steel programming, you're really stepping into dicey territory.
5: They actually don't use obviously that language on the on their on their websites, but you're right, the, the reviews are very polarizing.
0: Right, because the reviews that love it I think are generally fake reviews. <laughs> the reviews mm-hmm. of people that that give it like no stars. Those are people who have uh, taken the bait, bought it, and then they're like, this thing's awful.
5: So is there any type, type of device? I mean, we already have Roku and those type of devices. but Nothing beats there...
0: Roku. Okay. The, the thing with Roku, though, is that, you know, as the, the clearinghouse, they will find from time to time sources. Like, you know how Crackle, you can yeah. watch programming for free, and that's mm-hmm. legit? you ever noticed Crackle on your Roku? Yes. And I don't know if you ever find anything on Crackle you like, but there are things you can watch for free legitimately. But most programming you're going to have to pay for, either monthly subscription or in the case that drives me nuts when my kids want to watch something that's a one-time use fee. Okay, well thank you very much for your help. Thank you and have a great day. You too, thanks. Bye. Be really, really careful. All over social media and on the web, there are these uh, services, I use the word services lightly, touting that they're going to help you get whatever television programming you want for free. Just remember, they're helping you pirate, steal content, and that's never going to play out well. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show.